0: Okay, well, welcome back to True Crime Trine. It's a podcast where three friends watch, don't watch the planets align. We can't always see them. <laughs> but uh we also chat true crime, astrology, <laughs> and any other weird bullshit we could fit into this podcast. We are your host Hannah and Meredith. And I'm a lying liar who lies. Sarah's not here this week either.
1: She'll be back sometime. She'll be back.
0: It's fine. Just get used to it. I don't tell the truth. <laughs>
1: As a Capricorn, I don't believe that.
0: (laughs) Well, I don't tell the truth in a way that I can manipulate others to do what I want.
1: But no, Capricorns are very truthful, though.
0: This was a really bad lie. Yeah. The proof is in the pudding that Sarah's not here this week when I said she would be. So that was my B. My B, my B. She'll be back. She'll be back.
1: We promise. At some point.
0: Until then, this is episode 75.
1: Yeah, You sick of us, guys? We're doing the best we can.
0: We really are. That makes it kind of sad,
1: but we really are. We don't get paid for it.
0: I was thinking about my my whole life. I'm doing the best I can. Oh, it's not, it's not going super great, but it's whatever.
1: Uh, you know what? It, the ebb and flow of life. This is Here definitely the
0: ebb time, I guess. Mm-hmm. Is that the bad time?
1: Yeah, I think so. I don't know now. I should know this anyway. It's ebb. It's ebb. Okay, sure. Sure. or not? I don't. Know. I don't know. <laughs> Cool. Well, I don't have any housekeeping. I just don't. That's fine. I tried to find some, but was <laughs> unsuccessful.
0: <laughs> That's fine. We can just get right down to the meat of the matter.
1: Okay. Well, let's get started then. So, we've talked a little bit before about how we pick our topics. And generally, it is the smallest of details in a story that sparks our interest. And I was down a particular internet rabbit hole, and I came across three possible topics for this episode, which is like two more than I normally have. Yeah. And when I got to the kind of the end of the synopsis for this douchebag, I was like, yeah, (laughs) this is the one. This is the guy. For this episode, we are heading to Tucson, Arizona, and the last time we were in Arizona was for episode 42, Winnie Ruth Judd.
0: Mm -hmm. We had some art from that episode.
1: We had a beautiful piece rendered by our lovely, lovely Pisces that we are missing so much, and it was the Saguaro. Saguaro? Saguaro, Saguaro. (laughs) Sarah, let us know what the fuck that cactus uh, it was is a called. a cactus,
0: okay? And some trunks, so.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and if you're listening, Sarah, I did write in anticipation of your return that... Because you had already drawn such a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful piece that the Arizona state gemstone is turquoise, and the state <sighs> amphibian is the Arizona tree frog. So oh,
0: that sounds—that's so for Sarah. We'll save that for another Arizona episode.
1: Yes, because
0: I want to see her draw a tree frog. Yeah, look, like, I want to oh see that. That sounds so cute.
1: Oh my God, they are cute too. Yeah. Some other cool facts about Tucson. We like to be informative.
0: We're educational.
1: This is going to be about stars, crystals, and cats.
0: Yes!
1: Which really fits with our TCT theme.
0: That could just be our, like, about us.
1: Yeah. So Tucson is one of the best spots in the U.S. for stargazing.
0: Oh, I thought you were say for crystals, because also for crystals.
1: <laughs> well, we'll get there. Stars, crystals, and cats. Okay. Tucson suffers less light pollution than most cities because in 1972, Pima County enacted the Dark Sky Code, (laughs) which regulates the brightness and number of outdoor bulbs that are allowed. So you actually get to see more of the stars in Tucson.
0: That's cool. I'm down with that.
1: For crystals, Tucson hosts one of the largest rock shows. Yeah. Yeah. Rock hard. It's the Tucson Gem and Mineral Show, which attracts about 50,000 people annually, and it hosts gemstone scholars and dealers, and also they have had some pretty cool exhibits over the years, like lunar rocks that have been collected by NASA astronauts. They once had the Logan Sapphire, which is a 422-carat sapphire from Sri Lanka, They also displayed the Hope Diamond, which is a 45.52 carat diamond originally extracted in the 17th century from a mine in India. It is blue in color because it has trace amounts of boron and it has a curse or so they say. Yes. If you are the unfortunate owner... Or you've ever touched the hope diamond. No, no. You will be cursed with bad luck and death.
0: Yay. Where's that diamond?
1: Let me touch it. I just lick, see. (laughs) And then for cats, because we love cats so much. Mm -hmm. Over the last 25 years, seven jaguars have been spotted in southern Arizona near the Mexico border which is just about 25 miles south of Tucson. Okay. Jaguars have been endangered for 20 years because of deforestation, ranching, farming, and poaching. And there are approximately 15,000 left in the wild globally. And typically they are known to party <laughs> in Mexico, Central America, the Amazon rainforest, and south into Paraguay and then also Northern Argentina. So one of these jaguars frequents the Santa Rita mountains and he is named El Jefe. <laughs> I love it. Google him. And we will also share some pictures of him oh, because yes. he is gorgeous. And if my fat ass ever hiked, and I came across El Jefe in the wild. You would see me on the news as that bitch that died because she tried to snoogle him.
0: I just accidentally searched El Jefe jalapeno. <laughs> I would just let him have me. He deserves it.
1: Right? Oh, my God. He is gorgeous. They have some amazing footage of him. Just doing his big, beautiful cat thing. And El Jefe, this one's for you, my friend.
0: <laughs> we'll raise a glass. <laughs> You're not dead, I don't think, but good job.
1: Yes, just because he's gorgeous.
0: Gorgeous.
1: Since we also love weird laws and facts, uh, <laughs> I have a couple of weird laws for us. So number one, it is illegal to manufacture, distribute, or possess imitation drugs
0: all right no placebos well oh oh drug drugs
1: yeah oh this is a felony which could land you in the pokey for up to one and a half years
0: well so is having actual drugs
1: i think it's a little bit longer for also more... a felony <laughs> yeah also just don't do it but you should be really really careful how you package sugar flour or baby oh powder goodness. uh-huh If Uh you are in Arizona, you're like, I swear, officer, I was just going to grandma's to make some cookies. Yeah, don't wrap
0: it in a bunch of plastic with some duct tape. That's not how you should bring your sugar into Arizona.
1: No. Or in little, like, tiny bags.
0: (laughs) It's all pre-measured, officer. It's
1: for baking. (laughs) I swear. I swear. They also have the stupid motorist statute, which was passed in 1995, and- I honestly love this. (laughs) So basically, don't be a dumbass if you willingly bypass a police-enforced barricade, such as a road that's closed due to flooding. Oh, nice. And you find yourself trapped in the floodwaters. You have now earned yourself a really fat fucking bill that covers all the emergency rescue costs to save you. Oh, fuck, yes. (laughs) Yeah, you're way too stupid. Let's just say that this can become pretty fucking substantial. (laughs) So, fucking bet. And then in Avondale, Arizona, hopefully I said that right, it is illegal to practice hypnotism or to be hypnotized even, and I love this caveat, even if it's free.
0: So it wasn't a problem with them charging too much. It's a hypnotist no. that real, was the real criminal here. Right.
1: So it wasn't even the back alley hypnotists, right? <laughs> <laughs> Peddling their baby powder, right? It's any. However, it is allowed for accredited doctors of medicine, dentistry, which I have concerns about, and yeah. then teachers at state accredited colleges.
0: I also don't want my teachers to hypnotize me. No. And when I go to the dentist, I want actual drugs. I don't want to be hypnotized. <laughs> I don't want to be knocked the fuck out.
1: <laughs> like, I need the laughing gas. Please, please, thank you. All of it. Thank you. Not the fake shit. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, yeah. There you go. Some facts and some laws. And a beautiful jaguar. And a beautiful jaguar. El Jefe, I love you. Oh, he's so gorgeous. Oh, he's so pretty. So Definitely look him up. So, let's get this shit show on the road.
0: Toot, toot.
1: This is the story of the Pied Piper of Tucson,
0: Ew.
1: otherwise known as Charles Howard Schmid Jr. Schmid? Schmid. <laughs> Not Schmidt? <laughs> nope. Okay. Schmid. Fine. And I will refer to him in this episode as Smitty because that's what his friends called him.
0: Are we, are we friends with this man?
1: No. Okay. That's what his friends called him. We could call him Shitty Smitty, but I figured I'd just go Smitty because we do drink during these episodes and (laughs) I don't want to get my tongue all twisted up, so.
0: No, well, Smitty, Smitty works. Smitty it is. We might slip a little bit
1: into Shitty, but. (laughs) Shitty, yes. (laughs) Smitty was born on July 8th of 1942, so he's a cancer.
0: Oh, look at the feelings, boy.
1: Oh, maybe not, though. To an unwed and unnamed mother. It is assumed that he was born in Tucson because he was adopted just one day later on July 9th, 1942, by Charles and Catherine Schmid. Sure. (laughs) (laughs) The Schmidts were owners and operators of the Hillcrest Nursing Home in Tucson, so they were pretty affluent. Smitty would be their only child, and to say that he was doted upon or spoiled would be an understatement. As a child, he was described as bright, curious, imaginative, courteous, and a bit of a trickster. All right, he's a kid. He would later say that his father was very abusive for no reason and that the pair would argue frequently. And from what I can gather, Smitty had a really normal, albeit spoiled upbringing. So, (laughs) yeah, not that normal. There wasn't, I mean, there just wasn't a lot of like, oh, this happened and this happened. Yeah. Like he just had, you know, a basically normal childhood. As for school, Smitty was not very studious. He didn't care about learning, but he did show up for class, which I found that very interesting. He often would rush through assignments just to be like, I'm the first one done. Oh, you couldn't beat
0: me, bitch. Now I get them all right.
1: Mm-hmm. Sorry. <laughs> It was mentioned that sometime after 1956, so sometime after he was 14, his parents ended up sending him to a military school in San Diego for a semester. Hmm. And this may have been due to his lackluster grades and kind of his pompous attitude. Well, you did that, parents. True, true. And as the parent of an only child, like, we do our best. So- His parents sent him to this military school. It didn't work. There was no, like, aha moment for Smitty. He was kind of just like, fuck this.
0: I would feel the same way.
1: It really sounds like it was a last ditch effort on his parents' part to get Smitty to be, like, not necessarily obedient, but just to, like, listen Mm -hmm. and to maybe take on some responsibility. But it just was not going to happen. It seemed like Charles Sr. and Catherine just kind of fucking threw in the towel. They were just like, "Mm, fuck it.
0: We tried.
1: Right? So what are two parents to do? Well, they moved him out to the little cottage on their property.
0: Honestly, he's getting all he ever wanted. Living alone? Not with your parents?
1: That sounds fucking great. And by the age of 16... They got him his own car, his own motorcycle.
0: Why? They're still spoiling him.
1: They are. It's almost like a buy-off. Like, you take this stuff and just, like, stay the fuck out of our hair and whatever.
0: Don't get a teenager a motorcycle. No. Their dumb little brain hasn't developed yet. They're not going to wear a helmet. It's going to be bad. And,
1: well, I mean, survival of the fittest in some cases. Actually, whatever. But...
0: Give your child. <laughs> Give your seven-year-old a motorcycle. We'll see what happens.
1: Why not? They also were giving him a $300 a month allowance. And this may not seem like a lot, but today it would be about three grand. Holy balls. Yeah. So he's got a house of his own. He's 16. He's got a house of his own. That's about how much money I made. (laughs) Now it's about three grand a month. And you're like, I work really hard, and you just get that. I shit was like, wait me. a minute, this isn't funny at all, dude. He makes thirty six
0: thousand a year. That's probably untaxed under the table bullshit. That's how much I make, and I am taxed. I know. It's sad. I need to get a job real bad, but it's not happening, folks. It's just not. <laughs> oh my goodness. It will. I accidentally opened the t- tangent. I accidentally mm-hmm. opened my door today when somebody knocked on it. <gasps> I I thought it was my neighbor. It wasn't mm-hmm. my neighbor. It was. These two dudes talking about solar panels and a bunch of stuff. And I'm like, are you the homeowner? I'm like, yeah. And he's like, oh, so how's your electricity bills? I'm like, I have no fucking idea. I auto pay that shit. I'm going to pay it regardless. It doesn't matter what how much it costs. Anyway, yeah. I think they're trying to sell me solar panels. I'm not 100% sure. But we were having a fun little conversation. There were two of them. And then one of the guys asked like, oh, what are you doing? I said, work from home with a bunch of quotation marks. He's like, what do you do? I was like, oh, I'm a grad student, <laughs> microbiology. And then he asked, Oh, what kind of job do you get with that? And I said, fuck if I know. And then I apo- <laughs> and then I apologized that I was a little, I was like, ooh, sorry, that's a little too aggressive. I have no idea. Job search not going well, but uh, fuck if I know, podcast host. Okay, well, you
1: have a nice day. Oh, no, I think they loved me. Okay. Well, I mean, who wouldn't, honestly? I know. <laughs> in some regards, Smitty was an odd kind of loner type, but people, and I say people as in kids youthful Mm -hmm. people seemed really drawn to him
0: like what age
1: i would say under 16
0: really yeah
1: he was quite charismatic when he wanted to be but he was also quite arrogant and a bit of a show-off yeah He did make friends really easily, and he did have some really good friends, and we will talk about a few of these guys. One was his childhood friend, Paul Graff. He grew up with this kid, then John Saunders, and then finally Richie Burns, and we will talk about John and Richie more than Paul, but they were very like, I don't know, just kind of like stand by your friend like we're we're in it at least for a while which i mean that's nice you know he was capable of making and keeping friends for a length of time okay we'll say that so smitty was very popular with the girls i was gonna
0: say the ladies love him, don't they
1: they do and and they swooned over his deep, deep blue eyes. And oh. number one, I'm researching some of these pictures and oh, I have to look this up now. You can see at some point that he was somewhat attractive, but like it got weird, and then you're like, what is going on here? But we'll we'll talk about his looks and his Jesus transition.
0: Christ. Okay. Yes.
1: We'll talk about the transition.
0: What the fuck? Okay, yeah.
1: (laughs) We're going to (laughs) have (laughs) to. We will talk about it. What you're looking at, I can guess you're looking at the picture where his nose looks all jacked Uh up. It's a bandage.
0: Oh,
1: okay. He would do that frequently and be like, oh, yeah, I I broke my nose. I got into a fight. Oh, sexy.
0: Oh, another bad boy that I would probably fall for, but whatever.
1: I'd hope not. I don't think you would be much into him, and we'll we'll I, get into this. I'm
0: sorry, the, the Band-Aid placement and whatnot, it's very unattractive.
1: It is so Also, do bad. you wear a
0: Band-Aid if you break your nose? I think
1: a Band-Aid's a little, like, past the point. I think you get, like... Like, you can get, like, the things that look almost like yeah. Breathe Right strips, but I don't think you get a Band-Aid that's, like, up your forehead. But anyways, take a look at these pictures, and we will post some of these pictures as well. It is so weird. But like I said, we'll talk about it looks that like, in a little
0: bit. Yeah, it looks like his nose got removed, and they put another nose on him.
1: Uh-huh. It's weird. It's weird. We will talk about that. Okay. So We have to. Smitty had this really cavalier attitude, and before Sexy. he started getting- yeah, before he started getting weird, I mean, he was he was an attractive person, and he ended up earning the moniker, and it, this had nothing to do with his crimes, but the Pied Piper, because these girls would just swoon over him.
0: Wasn't the Pied Piper, like, small children?
1: Well, yes. Yes, it was. We'll cover that during spooky season, maybe. Okay. Because <laughs> that's a gruesome tale. I've
0: been expecting this to be about small children. I was surprised you picked it. But if the Pied Piper, whatever, doesn't actually have anything to do with the crimes. It just is.
1: No, it just he got it kind of because he's a ladies man. So like the other kids <laughs> The Pied Piper him... isn't sexy. Well, in Tucson, evidently it was.
0: Maybe that's the state of their education system. It could be.
1: So, he was able to attract even the more, like, straight-laced kind of girls. He was very muscular, but he was only 5'3".
0: Sexy, boys. Short. I know, I'm just going to say sexy this whole time. Okay. Bad boy.
1: (laughs) He was a very talented gymnast. Sexy. (laughs) Well, it works out that he's so small, Yes, yeah, it it works out to his benefit. And he is very muscular. So he actually even helped his high school gymnastics team go to the state championship in 1960. Around this time, Smitty claimed to have this like psychic power, which allowed him to see things before they occurred. In the case of this gymnastics tournament, he said he could see himself winning and that actually helped him to achieve his goals. But his quote is I'd shut my eyes and everything would seem logical. <laughs> so I'd do it. End quote.
0: I guess it's kind of like visualization
1: from most sources. Other sources say he was 21. The majority of them say right around when he was 17, 18, that Smitty found out he was adopted. So he didn't know. Oh no. He didn't know for the majority of his youth, right?
0: hmm And
1: Catherine actually gave him the name of his birth mother.
0: But didn't know the name.
1: In this case, she did.
0: Okay. I don't know
1: how adoptions work back then, but she, she did. Smitty was able to track down his biological mother, but was gravely disappointed when she told him, quote, I didn't want you when you were born, or even before you were born, and I don't want you now. Get out. End quote. All right. Abrupt. Very. She then slammed the door in his face, and that would be the very sad end to their reunion. Mm, Mommy-ish. That's it. That's mm-hmm. that's a lot. And some say this is when Smitty began to change in really bizarre ways, though some argued that he was always kind of strangely odd. But this is when he started to change his appearance. Okay, fun. Can't wait. Smitty admired Elvis. Elvis was huge at the time. So his normal like reddish brown hair, he dyed jet black.
0: See, I love this. (laughs) This is an unironic sexy.
1: (laughs) You are not going to love it later. Okay. He wore his jet black hair greased and slicked back. And he started to wear makeup to darken his skin. I don't know if they had like tanning cream at the time, but he was wearing makeup to darken his skin. And then he would wear like a pale cream lipstick and mascara.
0: Okay, that's getting a little weird. I wanted him to be like the original goth, but he's going the wrong direction. Well, and it
1: gets worse. Smitty also stuffed his custom boots with newspaper, crush cans, and rags to give him an additional three inches of height. And there's actually a picture, and we can post it as well, when he was arrested, where the police have him take all this shit out of his boots.
0: Oh, my God. And it's so
1: much shit. It's so fucking weird.
0: so weird.
1: Okay. So his demeanor and his attitude wouldn't suggest it, but Smitty was deeply insecure about his height.
0: Mm Mm-hmm.
1: And then the weirdest part about his transition into this new persona was that he added a beauty mark to his cheek.
0: Dude, I also saw that. I thought that was like a a cigarette burn.
1: This thing was made of putty and axle grease.
0: It's huge.
1: It started off smaller, but it would get bigger over time till it's just insanely huge. Shane. For no reason. There's no reason for it to be that big. And so when I was looking at these pictures, I'm like, what is that? Like, is that because I have facial moles, like I have moles, right? But like, this is like, huge.
0: I saw that on the pictures. I looked at him first. I was distracted by his nose because it looked like it had different nose on his face but like it's huge it looks like mm-hmm. a cigarette
1: burn even like a cigar burn, a cigar it's, burn. It's
0: yeah it's so big giant it's so weird
1: and then i was thinking i was like oh my god this reminds me and i don't you know i am older than everyone else so old like dirt <laughs> but austin powers oh number three fred savage he was the mole who had the giant mole uh. And everyone's like, mole, 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 (laughs) mole.
0: (laughs) I remember watching Austin Powers at a sleepover, and I thought it was gonna be about Texas. (laughs) Oh.
1: (laughs) Were you disappointed? I was surprised. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It was so dumb. Anyways, Smitty believed that this Persona, right, that he's cultivated gave him the appearance of being fearless and adventurous. And
0: no, not seeing the connection there.
1: His new look attracted a lot of attention, which really was his ultimate goal. Fair. Not to say that he wasn't getting a lot of attention before, but like even more so now. And these teenagers were like, yeah. I don't know why.
0: Okay, I guess so. Fight the man.
1: Smitty spent the next few years hosting parties at his cottage, right? He's Mm -hmm. unmonitored by his parents. And then he spent a lot of time cruising along Tucson's East Speedway. In a lot of places, it just regards this as the speedway, but it's Tucson's East Speedway. It's just kind of a strip that's got restaurants and, like, the bowling alley and, you know, shit like that. So... A lot of kids hung out on the speedway on a Friday or Saturday night. And these young impressionable girls really loved Smitty. And he really never went anywhere without a girl on his arm. And again, but these are like 14 to 16 year old girls. Oh, they're younger than him. And now, you know, he's up into the 18, 18 years old. Uh, Let me backtrack just a little bit. So also back in 1960, he ended up stealing some tools from the welding shop at school and he got suspended. And he could have returned after his suspension, but he opted not to, saying, I quit out of boredom, basically.
0: (laughs) All right. Not like you were really doing much to begin with, so why not?
1: But, I mean, he was going, though. So, that's yeah. – I found that to be interesting that he still showed up for, like, the social aspect of school. Oh, yeah. Nothing else really mattered. So, now he doesn't – he doesn't have school. He doesn't have a job. And he doesn't have any sort of responsibility. So, really, his life was just whatever he wanted. It was fun, right? hmm So – Again, he would spend the next few years, you know, just having parties, having all the local kids, his old high school pals and newer high school pals (laughs) come hang out at his house and they would drink and I'm guessing do some drugs. But this is also when he really started to become very interested in sex. Okay. Yeah. Smitty preferred blonde girls. That was his preference. There was a mention that if he liked someone based on like maybe their personality, but they had... Probably their body. Probably.
0: I don't know if he's there for the personality. True.
1: <laughs> but he would offer to dye their hair blonde for them. Just creepy. Honestly. Thanks, dude. He was a bit of a Lothario, which is his goal. Mm-hmm. And he was known to date multiple girls at a time. If any girl started to get too serious, he would drop them, and he was really obsessed with sex and its possibilities, and he also really loved to talk about his conquests, saying, and this is such a weird quote, but he said, quote, I can manifest my neurotical emotions, emancipate my epicureal instinct, and elaborate on my heterosexual tendencies, end quote.
0: You should have stayed at school.
1: I know, right? <laughs> it just doesn't th- quite make sense. That's just like sense.
0: using big words.
1: For no reason. For no reason. Mm-hmm. And I don't
0: even think they're the right big words. Epicureal Doesn't that mean like fancy food?
1: I, I think so. I don't know. I'd have to look it up. I don't want to. Okay. His little cottage was filled with Playboys and detective magazines that included a lot of stories about sexual misadventure and even rape. One of his favorite books was Harry the Rat with Women by Jules Pfeiffer. And this is a satirical novel about the downfall of a narcissistic womanizer. and. Smitty, he wanted to be Harry. Like Harry was his hero.
0: Okay, time out. I uh, was half right, half wrong. Epicurean is fond of or adapted to luxury or indulgence in sensual pleasures. Okay, especially eating and drinking, but it could be other luxurious. Sure. Taste.
1: Yeah. Okay. So what I want you to picture right now, because this is what a lot of people pictured and what I pictured is a very unattractive, right? Because now he's all weird. Yeah, dude. Serial killery version of either, and I'll give you two options, Matthew McConaughey's character, David Woodardson from Dazed and Confused, or Arthur Fonzarelli from Happy Days.
0: Okay, but like, not they don't look so much like him.
1: It's not about the looks. It's about this older kid who's like, hanging around, yeah, creeping on the high school kids, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. even though he's graduated from high school. So. Yes,
0: that guy. Okay, totally see it.
1: We'll say, all right, all right, all right. Hey. <laughs> so we're going to the spring of 1964. Smitty meets this girl named Mary French, and she was 17. Mary was described as kind of a homely girl with brunette hair. So, not.
0: Okay, she's not hitting any of the two check marks. <laughs>
1: No, she just she wasn't like his perfect girl but she was deeply devoted to him oh that helps mary moved into the cottage with smitty and shared his bed yep at least until her parents found out and dragged her ass back home and was like "Uh -uh, uh uh-uh yes uh
0: -uh, where were her uh fucking parents
1: they found her. Good. Mary did actually start working at the Hillcrest Nursing Home for Schmitty's parents. And she was even so devoted to Smitty that she would deposit her paychecks into his bank account.
0: Okay. Mm, ugh, hate it. Yeah. In May of
1: 1964, Schmitty expressed an interest to his friend John Saunders that he wanted to, quote, Kill someone, end quote.
0: Oh, yeah, totally normal. Uh-huh. Teenage boy conversation. Actually, I have no idea. I've never been a teenage boy. Teenage boys, let us know.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> let us know. And he wanted to kill someone just to see how it felt and then also to see if he could get away with it. But again, remind you, he read a lot of those detective yeah. magazines, things like that. So some sources say that, like, the selection of his victim... Was his choice. Others say that he told Mary to pick or make a list of girls that she knew. While others say it just was kind of happenstance. But he met his first victim when he was out cruising on a speedway. And he became infatuated with her. So no matter how it happened. Yeah. Smitty had his eyes set on 15-year-old Elaine Rowe.
0: Oh, so young.
1: I know, 15. Ugh. She was a classmate of Mary's at Palo Verde High School, and she was very studious, she was sweet, she was friendly, she was kind, but the most important factor here is that she had no interest in Smitty at all. She was smart. (laughs) But that fact made her even more interesting to- Smitty.
0: This is why Mary, Mary's not getting anything because she's way too into it.
1: Oh, yeah. And just wait, it gets worse. On May 31st of 1964, so Smitty is 21 at the time. He tells John Saunders and Mary French that today's the day he's going to kill Eileen Rowe.
0: I thought he was infatuated with her.
1: He's infatuated with her because he wants to kill her.
0: Oh, that kind of in fashion. Okay.
1: Yeah. Okay. So Smitty instructed Mary while she was at school to get Aline to agree to a date with John because Aline had already turned Smitty down multiple times.
0: Maybe it hurt his little feelings too.
1: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Aline said no to Mary about the date with John because she's like, nope, I got to study. I got to test the next morning. So some sources said that Aline finally agreed to go out with them after her mother, Norma, who was a nurse at the local hospital and she worked night shift, had left for work. But I'm not quite sold on the she agreed to part of this because I'll get to that. So okay. essentially I'm just I'm not sold on it. Mm-hmm. So essentially Smitty, Mary, and John get into Smitty's car and they drive around until they know Aline's mom has left for work. Mary goes up to Aline's window and like asks her to come outside to talk. So she comes out of her house and she's barefoot. She's wearing her bathing suit and like this little like yellow cover, like, you know, bathing suit, Mm -hmm. cover up dress and she's got fucking curlers in her Oh, hair. my God.
0: Yeah, she's not going out.
1: And I just feel like she was getting ready for bed and was like, yeah, yeah, I'll come out to talk to you. But I honestly don't feel like she was going out. Otherwise, she would have taken the curlers I don't out of think her she hair. was either.
0: She wasn't interested in it from the beginning.
1: And then it says, like, she just, like, got into the car with them. And I think there was... I don't think that was true. I think she was somewhat forced to get in the car. I mean... She's got goddamn curlers in her hair. She was not going out. No. Well, she was carrying her shoes. She had her shoes with her. Okay. She gets in the car and they drive out into the desert to Golf Links Road. This was a very popular hangout spot for the kids at the time. So I know it sounds like kind of, I mean, and this is sketchy, but like when you say drive out to the desert, but it's Eh. Arizona. So that's where the kids went. Like we went to the woods up here in Washington. (laughs) Like. That's where we went and hung out, right? Yeah. The kids go hang out in the desert. So even if she went willingly and they were like, we're going to go to the desert, that wouldn't have seemed sketchy like at at that time. Yeah. But to us now, we know that it's sketchy as fuck. Anyways, they get to this popular hangout spot. They get out and they walked a little ways and they find like a cool place to sit and chat and do whatever they're going to do. I'm guessing... Smoke cigarettes, do drugs, whatever kids do. Whatever they do these days. (laughs) Whatever they do. Those days. And then, so they're there for a little bit. And then Smitty asks Mary to go back, like, walk back by herself to the car to get the radio. So some sort of little portable radio. Like, it sounds nice, I guess. I don't know. But Um, it was not nice. Smitty and John proceeded to rape Aline... John! What the fuck, dude? ...before attempting to strangle her, but the strangling didn't work. They weren't strong enough or whatever it was, but it didn't work. Okay. So they smashed her head in with rocks.
0: Excuse me? Yeah. Okay. Why is this called John whatever
1: episode? Well, we'll we'll get there. Okay. Then buried Aline in a shallow grave out in the desert. Like, it's... Awful.
0: How far away is this fucking car? Where's Mary?
1: She's sitting in the car like John told her to. Oh,
0: I thought she was supposed to bring a radio back to them.
1: That's what he said out loud, but her instructions were to go sit in the car. She was fully aware of what okay. was going on. Mm-mm. She she knew what was going on. She knew the queue.
0: Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay.
1: So she was definitely a participant in this as well. <whistles> Aline's mother, Norma, got home Aline's not there. She calls the police and files a missing persons report. And Aline was a very responsible girl. She wouldn't just run off. She hadn't taken anything with her.
0: Mm -hmm. But
1: the police were not convinced that there was any foul play because a lot of teenagers just took off. Sometimes it'd be for a few days. And I mean, it is what it is. But the police were less concern than Norma was. They did, however, canvass the neighborhood and they talked with some of Aline's friends and they did hear a rumor that Smitty might be involved. And they were familiar with Smitty <laughs> for a variety of like petty things. And they brought him in for questioning and Smitty told the detectives that yeah, absolutely, he was supposed to take Aline to a party But when he went to go pick her up, she just wasn't home. Weird. Right? And Mary corroborated Smitty's statement. So the police are like, okay, sounds good. She probably just ran away. Yeah. Not too long after the murder and seemingly cleared from suspicion of any wrongdoing, Smitty continued his quest of drinking and partying, cruising the speedway, and picking up young girls. Mary ended up moving out of town, and then John joined the Navy, and now Smitty needed Yay. to find some new friends. have right? a
0: murderer join the Navy. Perfect.
1: So enter 15-year-old Richie Bruns, and he will be a very integral part of this story moving forward.
0: He's 15. How old is Charlie Charles at this point?
1: Smitty is- Smitty.
0: Yes, his name.
1: Smitty is 22. Yeah. Right? And the boys spent a lot of time together hanging out. And to strengthen his bad boy image, Smitty also spent a lot of time bragging to all of the local kids that he had murdered Aline.
0: Great. Cool. Thank you. Yeah. And no one was like, oh, maybe the police should know this. Nope. The thing is, most of them, they probably didn't believe him. I would have been like, "Seen that guy with his <laughs> fucking stupid face and his wannabe bad vibe be like this guy's so fucking full of shit like i don't think i would have believed him
1: that's the truth most of them didn't believe him and they just kind of was like Wh- whatever
0: smitty just talking okay you and whatever
1: you know i mean he was just that dude that they could go party at his house and do whatever they wanted like whatever say whatever you want dude he is the uh,
0: like the perfect guy like 22, whatever. Mm-hmm. Buy you booze as a high school student. You had to have a couple of those slightly
1: older friends. So, all the kids around town have heard Smitty brag about how he's the one who killed Aline, you know, but nobody knows where she is. Like, a lot of them really did think that she ran away.
0: It was the 60s, too, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was. Peace, love, and okay, what the fuck ever whatever. into the 70s. Yeah. And, like, yeah,
0: police just weren't looking at runaway teenagers very much in that time either. A lot of them did run away, but. Uh.
1: And there's, I mean, again, there's no, there's no cell phones. There's no pagers. Oh, yeah. There's no, there's no way. I mean, you would have to call your parents on a pay phone. What's a fucking pay phone? <laughs> you know, if someone took off with their friends for a few days, like you would not have the ability to GPS them mm-hmm. or, you know, anything like that. So it was common for kids to just kind of take off to, you know, do their thing for a few days and then they would come home. But again, Aline wasn't that normal teenager. Uh-huh. She was very studious. She was very responsible. And Norma was like, no, something is wrong. My daughter is missing. And so she was really frustrated with the apathy of the local police department. So she started contacting the district attorney's office, the FBI, the All local right. press, and even a psychic. Ha. Lisa wasn't a hypnotist. Nope. <laughs> the psychic told Norma that she envisioned Aline's body in the desert under a tree. Now, this was never substantiated if she was actually under a tree, but we'll get there. Okay. So around this time to Richie, and Richie would later write a book. He wrote this book when he was 20 years old, and it's interesting because he wrote it and then he like... Put it away. And then his his daughters actually found it oh. and was like, Dad, this isn't bad. And okay, you've been really upset all these years because everyone paints this really bad picture of you. Why don't you put your side of the story out there? So his daughters were the ones who actually convinced him to publish this book. It's okay. a short book. I tried to listen to it on audio tape, but the voice person they had for it wasn't great so like that kills it you can't so basically i read a summary of it but like it's his perspective Mm -hmm. and it was his opportunity and his daughters encouraged him to do so to put his perspective out there because he has a very different perspective than a lot of people thought he was just very complacent and
0: Mm -hmm. (sighs) and
1: It does, it gets a little bit weird too, so we'll talk a little bit more about that. But anyways, this book is out there. If you want to read it, it's called I, A Squealer. Okay. It was a term they used more back then. So like essentially, like today it probably would have been called like I'm a snitch. Yeah. Or snitchy make snitcherson. I don't know. (laughs) Anyways, so. Around this time, Richie recalls this incident. I'm not going to talk about, like, what happens, but it's very jarring for Richie. It does involve the abuse of an animal. Oh, God. And Richie started to become very concerned about Smitty's mental state and, like, are you fucking crazy? Like, what, what the fuck? And so this event is happening and... Richie's like, please, like, stop. Oh like, this is horrible. Yeah. And Smitty replied, quote, you feel compassion. Why? End quote. So Richie's like, Richie, the fuck, dude? that's a dude? sign
0: to, like, hang out with someone
1: else. <laughs> I mean, he's starting to get the picture, but he's still like, this is his best friend for, you know.
0: I know, and you're a teenager. You can't imagine making another best friend. But uh, but there's a line you have to draw with your friends.
1: Yeah. Seriously. Like I said, I'm not going to talk about it. Super gross. But Richie's like now like, mm, okay. Yeah. Something's not right. Something's going on. Like it just, I guess a thought just occurred to me. Like when, like when does schizophrenia, it usually hits like in the early, like late teens, early twenties. Yeah. Like schizophrenia wasn't really necessarily diagnosed. No, they had the
0: diagnosis back then. It's yeah. was kind of a little shit for a while though, it sounds like.
1: Yeah, but, like, this increase of, like, utter violence, right? And, you know, Richie, I mean, he's he's heard him, like, brag about, oh, yeah, I killed somebody, but, like, nobody fucking believes him. Richie might have a reason to believe him now. Yeah, yeah. So he's like, ooh, maybe. Anyways, so he's got a new best friend. He's completed his task. His ex-girlfriend has moved out of town. His ex-best friend has joined... The Navy. And so, what does he do? Hang out with high school kids. Oh, yeah. (laughs) He goes right back into it. So, he encounters this beautiful young blonde named Gretchen Fritz. And she was down at the local swimming pool, which was also another place that he liked to frequent. And Gretchen was the daughter of a local heart surgeon. So, very prominent. In the community. She was described as your typical rich girl with a rebellious streak. And my guess is she had a pretty big attitude as well. Yeah. And she was beautiful. She attended a private school for a period of time in Tucson. And a teacher would describe Gretchen as erratic, subversive, and a psychopathic liar. Oh, my God. There's that. (laughs) All right. So, you get kind of the picture. Not to say, you know, we're not victim shaming, but let's just say Gretchen wasn't a nice person.
0: No, and I bet Gretchen could see Smitty be like, oh, this guy will make my parents mad. Mm-hmm. This fucking idiot will make my parents mad.
1: So, they meet each other, they start talking, and they became inseparable, right? Okay. Around the same time, Richie started dating one of Smitty's ex-girlfriends, which... (laughs) It's like every girl in high school? Yeah. (laughs) Like pretty much every girl under 16 in Tucson is his Mm -hmm. ex-girlfriend. So and I was kind of sad because I couldn't figure out what her actual name was. I read a multitude of articles and there was like Donna Cook, Darlene Cook, Darlene Kirk, and then... In multiple places, it was Kathy Marath.
0: Okay, very different.
1: I'm not sure 100% what her name is. So we're just going to kind of go with Richie's girlfriend. And I think I picked Kathy for the rest of the script. Okay. This relationship is really important. And it's important in a very odd way. But we'll talk about that here in a little bit. So... Smitty and Gretchen clearly they had a very tumultuous relationship. One article stated that they were quote poison feeding poison end quote. <laughs> they were constantly fighting, making up, fighting again, yes. making up. I was right? like, yes, I
0: didn't mean to say it like that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, Queen. <laughs> no. <wait. laughs> Anywho, okay, so back to Smitty and his very tumultuous relationship Mm -hmm. with Gretchen. So they just, they love each other. They hate each other. They love each other. They hate each other. And Smitty tells Gretchen about Aline's murder. And her response is, I don't care. I love you anyway. Aw, young love. And so Smitty, of course, he's still got this wandering eye. He's still like, You know, Mr. Lothario.
0: Yeah. Even this woman that doesn't mind you killed a woman is not enough for you.
1: Right. And because of how like on and off their relationship was, but also because Gretchen hated Richie and Richie was Smitty's best friend. So, I mean, that caused a lot of problems for them. I feel like why are you hanging out with this 15 year old twerp? She's 16, I think. Oh, wow. So she's still young herself. 16 or 17. But anyway, I mean, he's, you know, he's 21. Anyways, Smitty tries to break up with Gretchen. And Gretchen is like, mm. no. Oh my God. You break up with me, and I'm going straight down to the police, and I'm oh. going to tell them about how you she got killed- the blackmail. Mm hmm. Aline Ooh. Rowe. So let's just say. Betty was not pleased with this turn of events. Can I also say, folks, if you have to blackmail your partner into being with you, just let him go. Yeah, chances are bad shit's going to happen. You want someone who's interested in you, you know? And she was a beautiful girl. She probably could have had any of the boys in town. Yeah. She was also a bitch, but I mean,
0: hey, it's young boy time. Like, I think she could get a a lot of boys.
1: I think she was mean to everybody, though. That was kind of like...
0: Yeah, but that can be kind of hot.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I guess so.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I'm just thinking as a horny, like, 18-year-old
1: boy. Well, that's, oh, yeah, very true. Mm -hmm. So Smitty's pissed, honestly. But, I mean, he's still, like, he talks about her like, I love her, but she's a whore. Like, you know, he's, it's such a weird relationship. But on August 16th of 1965, Gretchen who's 17 at the time, and her younger sister, Wendy, who was only like 11. They leave their house to go see Tickle Me, which is an Elvis movie, at the Cactus Drive-In in Tucson. And the girls, they never returned home. Oh, no. So their father, Dr. James Fritz... And again, he's this prominent heart surgeon. He contacted the police and even given his standing in the community, the police were like, eh. She just probably ran away.
0: Well, her sister's like eleven? Yeah. Jesus.
1: Once again, they're chalking it up to like a runaway type situation. So Dr. Fritz being Dr. Fritz, he hired a private investigator named William Helig to find the girls like these are his girls. Oh, yeah. And Helig within a few days was actually able to locate Gretchen's red and white Pontiac Le Mans. And it was parked just off Speedway Boulevard behind the Flamingo Hotel. Inside, Helig discovered gravel and mud on the front and back seats, Gretchen's purse, which had $20 in it, and then also the ticket stubs from the movie, the car keys, and then a business card from CNS Upholstery Company. And this was a failed business venture of Smitty's. Oh my so God. He's got like his business card, which I found weird because like he never really had like, I don't know, any... I don't know why he's even trying to get a job.
0: He's like, he He doesn't
1: need one. He doesn't need
0: one. Why would he be good at upholstery?
1: I don't know. Nothing we've
0: learned so far has made us think that of him.
1: It doesn't make sense. But also, Helig discovers that the speedometer cable has been disconnected. So that's something right there. Mm -hmm. And then Dr. Fritz, like Mrs. Rowe was convinced that Smitty had something to do with it. He knew who his daughter was dating, right?
0: Oh, yeah. He hated it.
1: Oh, absolutely. And now that Helig had found Gretchen's car, the girls didn't run away. Like, her purse is in there. Her shit's in there. The keys to the fucking car are in there. Like, they're going to take her car if they're going to run away. They're not going to, you know... And her money. Exactly. So, total sus. Naturally, Smitty couldn't keep his mouth shut, and he proceeded to tell everyone who would listen to him that he had murdered Gretchen and her sister Wendy. Again, most of these kids didn't believe him, and those who did, they either didn't care or they, like, feared some sort of retribution. Yeah. You know, from Smitty. So not a single fucking kid... Went to the police to be like, this dude is total sus and this is what we've heard. <laughs> like, just FYI.
0: Yeah. Now said he killed three people.
1: Right. It was later discovered by Helig, right, as he's interviewing people as well for Dr. Fritz, that there was like 30 fucking kids oh in town that knew the story of Aline and of Gretchen and Wendy. So he was very boastful about his murders really oddly boastful it's like he felt the need like he he had had to tell do it he had he had to talk about it
0: yeah so
1: he gave more details to richie right richie's his best friend and he told richie that he strangled both of the girls in his house and then put them in the trunk drove them out to the desert and dumped their bodies and richie again like he's he's like on the fence Right, he's like you're kind of a psychopath, but I kind of heard this before, and nothing really ever came of that. Like the police didn't arrest you, you. do
0: something really bad to an animal.
1: Yeah, so and he's on the fence. He's like, I don't know, right? But also, Richie Smitty's been a good friend to him, in his opinion, as well. So like. You know, it, I don't know. It's just one of those very weird relationships. So mm-hmm. Helig, the private investigator, he interviews Smitty and Smitty tells him, uh, I don't know, I think she mentioned something about like running away to California or Mexico or something like that. And the police would also interview Smitty and he told them the exact same story.
0: All right. He sticks to a story at least.
1: Right. Super weird, though, that, like, girls that have known involvement with this dude disappeared 442 days apart. Oof,
0: yeah. No, not good.
1: So, and this part's a little bit weird, and I don't know if it's 100% true, but it did mention it in a lot of places, and I love it. We talked a little bit about the crime families of New York in my hockey episode. Oh, yeah. So, and this is... Relevant to one of the the five mafia families of New York. But Dr. Fritz was a heart surgeon. One of his patients was affiliated with the Tucson Mafia, which was associated with the Bonanno crime family out of New York. So these are gangsters in the 60s. Okay. Picture this. This is how, like, Vegas got built, baby, okay? These are, like...
0: For real, legit.
1: For real it's gangsters. the 60s. Yeah. Yeah. So, allegedly, Dr. Fretz told his patient that he believed Smitty knew more than what he was saying. And Dr. Fritz is just out of his mind, right? He wants to find out where the girls are. And so he asked for his patient's help in obtaining information about their whereabouts to, you know, however you deem. What,
0: whatever you need to do here.
1: Right, you 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 know do you, but <laughs> if you could help me out. And I did help you with your heart stuff. Uh, yes, so. you
0: kind of owe me. That's really not how the doctor patient... Relationship goes, but come on.
1: Maybe back in the 60s it did. You know, I don't know. So according to Richie, and this was also kind of part of his, you know, his perspective on it. On August 27th of 1965, two men from the Tucson Mafia showed up at Smitty's house. So two capos. Yeah. Right? They're like, what's up, dude? What's up? (laughs) I
0: actually love this.
1: Smitty tells them they took off for San Diego, man. I mean, he's just lying through his fucking teeth. Right. They took off to San Diego. Like, I mean, I'll answer whatever questions you have. Like, I don't know where they went. Like, you know, he's like playing this role because like these are legit fucking gangsters. Mm -hmm. Right. And he's just a fucking piece of shit. So he's scared. Good. These guys, they tell him we're going to be back. You be ready because we're going to take you to San Diego and you're going to help us to locate the doctor's girls, right? Yeah. And so they're like, "Mm -hmm, we'll be back. So Smitty's like shit in his pants, (laughs) right? What do you do when like two legit bad dudes show up? Oh, yeah. And you're just like a mediocre, I mean, yeah, you're a fucking murderer, but you're not like the fucking mob.
0: No, you're not a mob at all. You're just a dumbass.
1: And legit, you're still like a kid. So according to Richie, Spitty was like, fuck. I'm fucked. Fuck, fuck, fuck. I didn't bury the bodies. They're just out there in the desert.
0: Richie, go to the
1: police. And this is where like Richie gets a bad rap from a lot of places because they're like, when the fuck does a normal person go to the police? Like you should have gone to the police like six times ago.
0: Six times ago.
1: Yeah. What the fuck? but according to richie he still didn't quite believe that smitty actually right he just saw two mafia fucking hitmen basically and he's like and then he looks at smitty and is like you're not that guy right you're my friend we party together you know those are like real murderers right but it's weird that they're here asking you yeah yeah Richie says to Smitty, okay, well, don't worry. If you haven't buried the bodies, then let's go bury them. And in his book, he talks about how, like, he really just wanted to see if Smitty was being truthful. That's the
0: police's job. Right? (laughs) You're 15. Fuck off, Richie. Oh, God. Okay. But again, he's a kid. Like yeah, he's also he's fifteen.
1: Kids' brains are weird, so yeah. they head out to the desert to this old drinking spot, and Smitty leads Richie out into the dark. They are walking around, and then Richie says, "This real unfamiliar smell hits him, and it's rancid." Uh oh. Yeah, any guesses? It's a body. They first came across Gretchen's body and then Wendy's body wasn't too far away. And honestly, this is a fucking horrifying fucking scene. They've been out there for like over a week now. Okay. In the Arizona sun. Yeah. What skin is left on them is sunburnt.
0: Oh, I didn't think about that.
1: Yeah. They've been scavenged by animals. Ugh. They're super bad decomp. It's fucking nasty.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: In silence, the pair buried the two bodies. Well, what do you say? <laughs> I mean, that's essentially what you came out there to do, and now you know the truth. Yeah. Uh... Yeah. Richie was now questioning all of his fucking life choices. You should. He became super fucking paranoid because, at minimum now, he's an accomplice to the murder.
0: Oh, Yeah. So he didn't go to the police?
1: No. (laughs) My fucking God. No.
0: I don't know what he's waiting for, but okay.
1: We'll get there. So he got stuck in his head, right, that his girlfriend may be Smitty's next target because- Sure. Right? (laughs) Like, he's just, like, he's paranoid. Like, he just fucking buried two bodies in the fucking desert. Like, his life is fucking unraveling. And he's still, he's just a kid, Right. Yeah, He does not know how to cope with like this serious level of fucking mayhem. So he gets in his head that his girlfriend is probably the next target. And there was one place that said like he was outside of like parked outside of her house or like just like sitting across the street from her house and like Smitty rolled by in the car. And then Smitty stops and is like, oh, I was looking for you. But that like fed into his paranoia. Oh, yeah,
0: for sure.
1: Like, so he really feels like Smitty's out to get his girlfriend. So instead of going to the police like a normal person would, he decides that he is going to look out for Kathy. And he basically stalks her is what happened. Oh, my gosh. Richie would, like, literally follow her around town. He would sit outside of her school during the day. She's a fucking Christ. At night, he would sit outside of her house, often peering through the windows. And if he wasn't, like, hovering over Kathy, right, then he was actually with Smitty. Because if he was with Smitty, mm-hmm. then Smitty's not going after Kathy. So, yeah. Kathy's parents were like, what the fuck is wrong with you, kid? (laughs) Oh, God. Yes. (laughs) Then her dad finds one of the screens on one of their windows is cut. And he loses his shit. He contacts the police. He has Richie arrested. It didn't say what charges they charged him for, but Richie ends up going to juvenile court. And the judge ordered Richie to move to Columbus, Ohio to live with his grandparents for like three months. So essentially it's like some sort of restraining order. But they're like, you need to go. You go. She's going to live her life, you fucking psychopath. Yeah, leave her alone. You go be with your grandparents. So, and again, when you hear, like, when you you read, read the book he wrote or you, like, read the transcript of it or the audiobook, if you can take it. Like, he really talks about how, like, this was out of love. Like, he didn't know what else to do. And his intention wasn't to stalk her to make her feel weird or make her parents feel weird. But he felt like it was his job to look out for her. And that was the only way he knew how to. So in his perspective from his young mind was he did this out of love for her. And her perspective, right, her dad's perspective is like, you a psycho too. Oh, Yeah. Creep oh. He moves to Ohio and he's living with his grandparents. He still like is like worried because he's like, Now I'm not there. Oh yeah. Now Kathy's surely gonna get killed. So what the fuck am I supposed to do? So finally, Kathy's well-being prevailed over any concern that he had for himself or any repercussions of his involvement.
0: Oh, my God.
1: In late October of 1965, Richie tells his grandparents all of it, everything. And they're like, "Eh, I'm going to go ahead and make a phone call. Great. Thank you. To the Tucson police. And the police were very interested in what Richie had to say. And so they immediately came to Ohio and they escorted Richie back to Tucson. So now Richie's back in Tucson Quick time out. Okay. While Richie had been in Ohio, Smitty, who's now 23. Great. What was he doing?
0: High school girls.
1: He's on the prowl again. Blech. And on September 9th of 1965, he actually, somebody set him up on a blind date. So he goes on this blind date with 15-year-old Diane Lynch. Mm. The pair were married <gasps> on October 24th of 1965. Are you fucking kidding me? No. No. <laughs> but no. don't worry. Diane, upon her mother's advice after Smitty's, quote, legal trouble, would divorce Smitty. Uh,
0: he, oh, God. Jesus fucking Christ. Okay.
1: It's so crazy, fans. Ugh. Okay. So Richie's back in Tucson. He takes the detectives out into the desert and he shows them where Gretchen and Wendy are buried. And now the police are like, "Huh." They didn't run away. I guess we could Look check at this out. Richie also told the police that Smitty had confessed to him about murdering Aline Rowe with his ex-girlfriend, Mary French, and his friend, John Saunders. Mm-hmm. So in early November of 1965, the police located Mary French in Texas and arrested her. Yeah. And they also found John Saunders in Connecticut and arrested John and then extradited them back to Tucson. They found the bodies of the two girls, the two sisters, the Fritz sisters. Mm -hmm. They did not run away. They were murdered. They have arrested Mary French and John Saunders, and started to question them in their involvement with Aline Rowe. And on November 10th of 1965, police arrest Charles Howard Schmid Jr. Smitty!
0: Smitty! Newlywed. I know.
1: Gross. Uh, To a 15-year-old. Oh, God. I wasn't surprised by this. Maybe you'll be, but Smitty was like, oh yeah, fucking did it all. I ain't (laughs) not that surprised. (laughs) Right. But then he's like, maybe I should have done that. So then he recants his confession. And his mother, Catherine, helps him to hire a very well-known defense attorney.
0: Spoiling him again.
1: Yes. And this actually would lead to her bankruptcy. And at this point, she had divorced Charles Schmidt Sr. and she was uh-huh. like on her next husband. Okay. But she's like, you're still my son. So I will do what I can. So This well-known defense attorney was named F. Lee Bailey. (gasps) No fucking way. What? Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And I'm so pleased that you know this because I know a lot of people don't know. Oh God! But F. Lee Bailey doesn't ring a bell to you. I'm gonna give you a quick rundown on some of his more notable cases. So number one was Sam Shepard. He was the surgeon who was accused of murdering his wife Marilyn, and then because of F. Lee Bailey's assistance with the appeals and stuff like that, he—I mean—he was convicted, and then it got over overturn and then he actually got out of mm-hmm. prison but it was the basis for the movie the fugitive starring harrison ford okay, and tommy lee jones yeah and i actually love that movie because yeah, you've got I, tommy lee jones who's like I'll watch that you gotta check the shit house the outhouse the dog house <laughs> all that shit anyways it's like such a great line in a movie he also in 1964 was the defense attorney for Albert DeSalvo, the mm-hmm. Boston Strangler. Mm-hmm, he also mm-hmm. defended Patty Hearst. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And he also was on the Dream Team and defended O.J. Simpson.
0: Mm-hmm. So this... This man.
1: He knows his like, shit.
0: Yeah, the 60s was a great time for him.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, Absolutely. So no wonder why it ran his, you know, oh, yeah. Smitty's mom into bankruptcy. This is not what he's going to do pro bono. So on February 15th of 1966, Smitty was tried at the Pima County Courthouse for the murders of Gretchen and Wendy Fritz, right? These are the ones he did by himself. On March 1st of 1966, a jury of eight women and four men deliberated for just two hours before delivering their verdict guilty On both counts of first-degree murder, and on March 25th of 1966, Smitty was sentenced to death. He was remanded to the Arizona State Prison in Florence. The case for Aline Rowe was scheduled for March 15th of 1966, but due to the overlap with the Fritz case, was postponed until May 10th of the following year, 1967. In the Roe case, Smitty's defense team tried to pin the murder solely on John Saunders, right? It's a tactic. John did it, but it didn't work. So Smitty ended up pleading guilty to second degree murder and was sentenced to 50 years to life for Aaliyah's murder. And then John was also, he was tried separately and he received a life sentence. good. Mary French was also tried separately, and she received five years for her involvement in it, right? She was in the car. She was aware of it. She didn't go to the police, but, like, I feel like she should have got more time. Yeah, it's a little light. Because she's skeezy as fuck, but that's my opinion. Whatever. She got five years. So he gets, what did I say? He gets 50 years to life. But part of this plea deal, the reason why they let let him plead to second degree murder is because they wanted to know where Aline's remains were.
0: Okay. And so
1: he had to produce her remains.
0: But wasn't he already sentenced to death? He Yeah, for the other case.
1: So but why- again, this is justice, though. Like, her mom, like, Norma was like, fuck you. No, we're going to trial, you
0: motherfucker. Oh, no, I 100% agree, but I don't see why he would take a plea in the second case if he's still going to be executed for the first case.
1: (laughs) I don't know. Because he's very arrogant. I don't, I
0: don't Uh, know. Okay, that one. Yeah, that makes sense. Right.
1: On June 23rd of 1967, Smitty did take police to Aline's remains. And, right, he should have been murdered. In his own right. Death penalty. Yeah. No. In 1971, the state of Arizona temporarily abolished the death penalty. Oh. Based on Eighth Amendment rights, we talked a little bit about that in in the whatever episode we did about the death penalty. So. They never brought it back? They did. It went like back and forth a little bit. Okay. But so what they did at the time is they took Smitty's death penalty sentence. He already had a 50-year-to-life sentence anyway. Uh And they just commuted his death penalty to also to a 50-year-to-life. It didn't say whether if it was to be served concurrently or consecutively. Because he is, I mean, he's still, he's 23 years old. So he can still get out and have, you know, have a life.
0: Uh, Ish, but yes.
1: Theoretically. So... Smitty made several attempts to escape from prison. Oh. Of course. Of course he
0: fucking did. I don't know why I'm surprised.
1: He was unsuccessful until 1972. Okay. Yeah. He and his fellow inmate, Raymond Hudgens, who was in prison for a triple homicide, escaped the prison by scaling the 25-foot wall and running away. Morris. <laughs> Morris. God damn it,
0: Morris.
1: (laughs) Morris didn't run far. No,
0: he was very worried. (laughs) He wanted
1: back in prison. Yeah. Raymond and Smitty, they did. They tried. They tried. I don't know. They were still so fucking weird. So their freedom did not last long. Okay, good. At some point, they took four people hostage on an isolated ranch in Tempe, Arizona. It didn't talk a lot about this, but what I'm guessing is that Essentially, they corralled, like, four people and, like, took their money and then took off because there was, like, no police involvement with this. So, oh, yeah. But it was always referred to as, like, this hostage situation where I'm like, I don't really know if that's the right word. Yeah. We're going to say they stole, like, they took whatever cash jewelry or whatever else they could pawn from these people and then hit the road. So, like I said, their freedom didn't last long. And one of the, like, the big things in this was, like, Every article made it a point to talk about how these two, Smitty and Raymond, made it a point to stop at the Sonic drive-in to get a burger before they parted ways. Is it like the
0: Sonic that still exists today?
1: Essentially, yeah.
0: It's an okay burger. It's like... It's a fine. It's sufficient. (laughs) I used to go in high school more for like the... Lots of different kind of dessert drink menu,
1: right? Okay. Anyways, I just found it hilarious that everyone like all, everything's like, oh my god, they had to get a Sonic burger.
0: I feel like today, and in California, that would be in an Out Burger.
1: Sure, and like <laughs> up here in Washington, that would be like a Dicks Burger. Oh yeah. So you know, okay, maybe they were better back in the sixties. Yeah. Both men were captured separately within two and a half days. So they they weren't on the run for very long. All right. They're not the smartest. We'll just say, yeah, not the sharpest pencils in the box. They returned both of them to the prison in Florence. And yeah, so 50 years to life, right? All right. No. No. Smitty was violently violently attacked by several inmates on March 20th of 1975. Okay. With two putty knives and a sharpened piece of metal, these men slashed and stabbed Smitty 47 times in the face, chest, and stomach. He's
0: probably fucking insufferable in prison.
1: Oh, I bet. So, aside from, like, the lacerations from all of these stab wounds, Smitty also suffered a severed ureter duct and a punctured lung, and he lost his right eye.
0: Did he survive?
1: For 10 days.
0: Okay, fine. I'm fine with that. Yeah.
1: And then he, he died. Okay. He died at the Maricopa County Hospital 10 days later on March 30th of 1975. So... I picked this case for a very specific detail, and it's very minor, but here it is. Smitty's body was stolen from the hospital (laughs) morgue. Oh, my God. Police were able to locate it, but that is all of the information there is about it. There's nothing more. Who, like, took it? I I have no idea. Who would want it? I don't know. Oh, I don't know. It just says that they were able to locate it. It doesn't uh, say what condition it was in. It doesn't say anything else like that. It just says they were able to locate it. So
0: Jesus fucking Christ.
1: I was so mad because I tried so hard to super sleuth on this. But, I mean, technically I could have paid money to read a couple of articles. That's not from super
0: sp- sleuthing, though.
1: No, it's not. That's just paying your way to do it. And, and I'm, I'm still having issues with the one subscription that... I signed up for that. Oh I can't cancel, and they keep charging my credit card. Anyways, I didn't want to. I didn't want to put myself in that position again, so I didn't. So, anyways, I tried to super sleuth, but I could not find any more information. But that is exactly why I chose this case is That's because hilarious. somebody stole his fucking body That's a fucking from richie. the morgue, and then. His mother, Catherine, she opted to bury her son in the prison cemetery because she felt like if she had him buried in a public cemetery that his tombstone would be defaced. Oh, it would. So these articles then go on to say that his body was never placed in the casket. So I don't know what condition they found the body in. (laughs) He was already like slashed the fuck up. Like, oh wh- what What else happened? I want to know. So...
0: They just buried a casket?
1: Yeah. The fuck? I know. But, I mean, she paid for it to be done, so... Even though she was bankrupt.
0: She didn't have to if there's no body.
1: I know. So, listeners, if you happen to have a subscription to the tucson sun and you can read (laughs) articles entitled tales from the morgue the pied piper series like send me a link or something because i'm really curious what the fuck happened to his body oh my god that's why i picked this case that's so
0: (laughs) random (laughs) did richie go to prison
1: no what no, because he helped the police find the girls' bodies. They gave him a deal well, and he, he did not. D- he put the bodies there. But he did not actually murder them. Well, fucking Mary French didn't murder anybody. She still went to prison
0: for five years.
1: True. But because he was the link that they needed to solve these crimes. Right. People get plea deals for all sorts of stuff. So he got it. He got a really good plea deal. Essentially, Yeah, he fucking did. Ones. Yeah. So, yeah, I know.
0: Okay. Damn. He could have gone to prison for a couple years. At least a few to think about, like. Obstruction of justice? Like, you didn't go to the police
1: so many times. Like, you had ample opportunity. So many times. (laughs) You fucking
0: twat. And then you stalked your girlfriend. Jesus.
1: Anyways, that is the story of Charles Howard Schmid Jr. Ooh, there will be a picture of him. Oh, God, there'll be multiple all over the place because what the fuck did he do to his face? Oh, my God. He was a handsome kid, right? But then he just fucked himself all up. But they did. It's interesting because you kind of watch like go through the timeline and pictures and his lawyers were like, nah, dude, you need to fix some shit. We're in court. So like he starts to look a little bit more normal. OK, because he does kind of look
0: a little hot in this picture where he has taken the sheriff to the grave of. Aileen Rowe. Yes. And he's taken off the bandaid and he's taken off the big thing. His hair is still black but. Yeah
1: but like his lawyers were like dude stop. Like fucking stop it. Ethley Bailey was like no. F. Bailey was like I can't work with this. (laughs) You're gonna have to fucking fix some shit. First thing's gotta go is that molly 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 molly. I cannot
0: believe that was just like a fucking bandaid. It looks like (laughs) a fucking piece of skin. I got like he onto his fucking face. I know. Oh, oh my god, it's
1: so bad. But yeah, so that's what I have for you. And okay. like I said, he is a cancer. I just I did not get a lot of cancery vibes off Shitty Smitty.
0: I didn't really either.
1: The only one that I could like. Oh my maybe- god. <laughs>
0: sorry we're also gonna put this picture on because uh charles smith is shown with and without the wig he had on when captured from escaping from the penitentiary (laughs) i forgot about that yeah (laughs) it's really bad oh my god i was like this has to be oh it's so
1: that was after he got his sonic burger
0: oh god (laughs) it's bad
1: it's bad it's bad
0: okay anyway
1: so the really the only like trait that I could associate with a cancer, and it's a bad trait, but was his kind of jealous nature, because that's a thing for cancers. That's true. But, like, there was no, like, sense of family. There was no, like, I mean, he was fond of his friends, but he was also such an arrogant fuck. Oh, yeah. He's fond
0: of his friends as, like, someone to perform in front of that would applaud him.
1: Right, so that gave me more, like, Leo vibe. So there there was other stuff in his chart. I didn't do a birth chart for him, but... Anyways, so, yeah. That's Shitty Smitty. Shitty
0: Smitty. (laughs) What a fucking weirdo.
1: I know, right? So I do have a little bit of upcoming astrology for the week. I, like I said, I... I wrote finished writing this just a little bit before we started recording tonight. Uh, so I'll just kind of go through it on this episode is going to air on Monday September 19th and on Monday Venus and Virgo is going to be trine, which we love and we'll have again soon it with Uranus and Taurus and this is a happy trine for matters of the heart and the wallet so it's the planet of love and money is connecting with the planet of surprises so surprise money I'm hoping I hope so I just paid off my credit card so I I'm hoping I yeah I'm hoping for a little windfall that would be great sounds good Well, I mean, technically I did just get a little windfall because I got my payout for Wordle, (laughs) but I am, I have reserved that money for (laughs) our first round in October when, when TCT finally meets in person and I fly my ass down to where you wonderful ladies live. (laughs) And sorry, because I'm getting (laughs) shit-faced on the way down.
0: (laughs) Oh, yes. You'll already be toasted. It'll be great.
1: So Thursday, September 22nd, the sun enters Libra, and this also coincides with our fall equinox. I like that part.
0: Okay, I could be okay with not being in Virgo season anymore. I hate Libra season, but Virgo season's been rough.
1: The sun entering Libra marks the fall equinox, and it's the moment when day and night are equal. So it's no wonder why Libra is represented by the scales. Yep. This is going to be a time of natural balance and harmony. Hopefully. (laughs) It's also a good time to connect with others, even superficially. (laughs) Anywho... (laughs) Sunday, September 25th, we get a new moon in Libra. It's a Libra, Libra, Libra. But this autumn lunation kind of gives us an emotional reset. So again, because it's in Libra, there's a level of balance that's going to happen, which is, I mean, it's a good thing. And it's a really good time to kind of look at some of the stuff you've got going on through a clearer set of eyes, a more balanced Perspective. So that's great.
0: Yes, a Virgo perspective does tend to look at it from the pessimistic side. So we might need yeah. a little balance after all this Virgoness.
1: Yes. Well, we're not quite done with it because also on Sunday we are going to have a trine. So Venus in Virgo is going to be trined with Pluto in Capricorn. But again, trines are so great. Yeah, who cares? <laughs> this is going to be a really great day to like flex your charm skills and Ooh, the solar panel guys better
0: come back <laughs> if they were good looking they both work pretty good looking
1: <laughs> but don't get murdered in your own home by solar panel guys i know i know there's that i will be listen solar panel guys if you listen to tct
0: i should give them a sticker
1: right you should <laughs> just stick it on something they own i'll be back. I'm Liam Neesem. I will fucking fucking find find you. I do have one of their names. So that's a good start. Just text it to me so I have it in my... Okay. (laughs) We have to have those like if I get murdered files or whatever they're called. We should. Anyway. So friends, listeners. Enemies. Anybody, Uh, we are still taking suggestions for spooky season, so if there's anything that's spooky, weird, or complete and total bullshit that you would like us to talk about, hit us up, let us know. We love bullshit. Mothman, I've
0: already said this, but Mothman is on the schedule, but I'm primed for more bullshit.
1: I found a pretty interesting haunting. Ooh, that I'm going to do some more research on. I just did some peripheral. I can't say that word. I just did some basic (laughs) research on it. And I don't know. I kind of like it. And yeah. So hit us up. We are on Twitter at True Trying, on Instagram at True Crime Trying, on Facebook at TCT Podcast. Email us at trying at gmail.com. And then check out our website if you get a chance, www.truecrimetrying.com. Bye. Music for our podcast was handcrafted by the talented and creative minds of Mike Warren and Pete Ortega. Our artwork was imagined and skillfully designed by the lovely Sarah Guest. As for production, well, they call me post-production. Show notes are available upon request. Just email trine at gmail.com. Join us again next week for another tantalizing episode.